So thanks for joining us in the park. Again, if you're new here, we want to say welcome. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Wayne. I'm the lead pastor here at the Mustard Seed Church. And thank you, Kurt. Thank you, Kurt. My brother. <laughs> oh, and just, I'm super grateful that you're here braving it with us. So we have begun a new series going through the seven I am statements that Jesus makes. And uh, Leif, praise God. Leif started it off last week with us. I think he did a brilliant job of the seven I am's and, and, and launching that series for us. Today we're going to continue in that. And these I am statements, these seven I am statements that Jesus makes in the scripture, they actually go all the way back to the book of Exodus. Like so there's some history with these statements that he's making. And it goes back to where Moses uh, meets God on the mountain and sees God in a burning bush. Meets God in a burning bush. Is it, have you heard the burning bush story? The burning bush on the mountain, and it looks like it's consumed, but it's not consumed. Moses walks up, God says, take off your sandals, this is holy ground. God meets him there. And God tells Moses that he's sending him back to Egypt to free God's people from slavery in Egypt. And Moses says this to God, who shall I say is sending me? And God says, tell him, I am who I am has sent you. I am who I am has sent you. Essentially, Moses is asking the question, who are you? You're in this burning bush. You know, I was reading some commentaries on it. Some people thought Moses was like on mushrooms or they have this like branch, this tree you can eat that's called the, like the Akaya tree or something like that. And it's basically, I think Moses was high and seeing this burning bush. I don't think that's the case. This bush is talking to him. This bush is sending him on a mission. The bush is burning and it's not consumed. He says, I am who I am has sent you. As we fast forward to the New Testament, we see this same question being asked of Jesus. The Pharisees come up to Jesus and they say, who are you? Are you the prophet? Are you John the Baptist? Who are you? We see Jesus asking Peter, and I think Leif hit on this last week. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, who do you say that I am? And honestly, this is the question that we all have to wrestle with. Who do we say that he is? Who do we say that Jesus is for us and our life? These seven I am statements every week will highlight something about Jesus and who he is for us. And so if you have your Bibles or your phone or you trust that I'm reading it, I would say we'd have it on the screen, but right now the screen would be the stratosphere somewhere with the wind so we don't have that so if you have your bibles or your phone go to john chapter 8 verse 12 through 20 john chapter 8 verse 12 through 20 everybody got it are you just gonna trust i'm reading it hey i appreciate the trust i'm a gentleman we can roll with it all right verse 12 here we go again jesus spoke to them saying i am the light of the world Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is where he gets into some debate with the argument with the Pharisees. It says, so the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true for I know where I came from and where I'm going. 
ways. You do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, the Pharisees, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour did not yet starts off by saying, I am the light of the world. A little bit of context of what's happening here. This was happening, as you can see, it said that he was in the treasury in the temple, right? So this was happening uh, during uh, a celebration in the Jewish culture that's called the Feast of Tabernacles. And what they would do is on the evening of the first day, uh, what took place was called the illumination of the temple. And so it took place in the court of women inside the temple. And this is what they would do. They would have these four giant lampstands that were probably 75 feet tall. Four of them. And they would put a ladder up and people would, the priest would climb up the ladder, fill it up with oil, and then they would rip a piece of their clothing off and put it in there as a wick. So you can imagine, like, have you ever seen the Olympics and they light up the big cauldron or whatever you want to call it with oil and on it's this huge flame it's kind of like that 75 feet tall huge thing huge lamps filled with oil and in the evening when they would light these lamps they would say that the lamps were so bright that it would light up all of jerusalem so imagine a, a bonfire you ever seen a bonfire that was super bright and it just lit up everything you want to see a big one, hit up Kurt Lincoln at his house over there, man. He does big bonfires. It's pretty sweet. But it just lights up everything. You can see all kind of stuff around you, even at nighttime. So imagine this, but four of them. And not only four of them, but bigger. Not only bigger, but higher. And it would light up the entire city. And what this represented for the people of God was it was... Uh, reminding them of the time that God uh, saved them from Egypt and went through the wilderness. And if you read the book of Exodus, it says that God went before them in a pillar of fire. At night, before them with a pillar of fire. And so for the people, they would have this illumination of the temple and they would remember that God saw his people and worked on their behalf. They would, remember, they would see these lamps and they would remember God's provision of leading them from slavery and into freedom. They would see these lamps and it would light up all of Jerusalem and they would remember the presence of God with them in this pillar of fire. Meeting them in the darkest times of their life. This is that moment. This is what's happening in this temple. And Jesus walks into the temple. And listen to this. He walks into the temple and says, I am the light of the world. All this light going on. All this lamps being lit up. And Jerusalem lit up. And Jesus walks in and says, I am the light of the world. 
Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What's he saying here? What's this mean for you and me, and who do we say he is? Three things I want to highlight this morning to you about Jesus being the light of the world. And really, it's just looking at the basics of light. What light does. The first one is light gives life. Light gives life. He says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As you look all throughout scripture, this theme of light and life go hand in hand together. In Genesis, we see God speaking, saying, let there be light. And from there, there's this explosion of light and life comes with animals and plants and all this good stuff. In Psalms 36, 9, it says, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light, do we see light, light and life? Picking up on what I'm saying? John the Beloved, who wrote the book of John, the Gospel of John, says this in John 1. He said, all things were made through him, through Jesus. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was light of men. In him was life, and the life was light. Light gives life. And what this reminds me of is kind of what we're experiencing right now in Palisade and in this valley is the time change. You have more sunlight happening and it's getting a little warmer outside. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Getting a little warmer. Peach trees are blooming. You know, last time when we came, we came in December and then we didn't come back until uh, June of last year. So we missed all of spring. So people said, oh, man, the peach trees, when they bloom, it's amazing. I'm like, I haven't seen it. I don't know. But our house backs up to a, a peach orchard now. And we walked out. I remember walking out. And it was like all of a sudden the whole thing was just covered with little pink flowers. I was like, oh, this is what everybody's talking about. <laughs> peach trees blooming, warmer and light and time changing, getting darker later. And it's just all this light gives life. And Jesus being the light of the world gives life to you and to me. And we can experience this life in many ways. This can be a spiritual life that we experience. You know, many people physically live, but don't experience life. You get what I'm saying? Many people are living, but not experiencing life. Jesus gives life to our souls. A lot of times we can look for life in various things. I know when I go fly fishing, I leave from fly fishing, I'm like, man, this is so life-giving. But guess what? I can't fly fish all day long. I would say that about golf, but I hit them everywhere. And so that doesn't give life. That frustrates me. For some people, working outside and working on projects, you leave from the project and you're like, man, this is so life-giving. I enjoy this. But then what do you do when it's over with? Life can come and go in things that we enjoy and things that God gives us, but Jesus gives us life that's everlasting life. We can experience this life through hope. You ever watch a baseball game and you see a baseball rally going on? A team's down and they're losing and they're trying to come back and they flip their hats inside out and they're wearing it upside down and they're 
they're they're acting all crazy and everything, trying to rally the team together. All of a sudden, hope comes. All of a sudden, hope comes, and they think all it takes is one person to get a hit, and they're like, here we go. We're coming back. Life through hope gives life. And when you can experience life through healing, physical healing, emotional healing, it's life-giving when healing comes. You ever had a deep wound that God met you in and brought healing? You had a, ever had a broken relationship between someone and it brought healing between that with some forgiveness? Jesus gives life to you and to me. He's the light of the world. A New Testament theologian, Barclay, says this. I love it. It reminds me of Palisade. He says, just as the flower can never blossom when it never sees the sunlight, so our lives can never flow with the grace and beauty they ought to have until they are irritated with the light and presence of Jesus. We can do all kind of good stuff. We can get into all kind of good things. We can do all kind of things that bring us life, but it's going to be here today and gone tomorrow. And he says that when we get into the light of Jesus, that's when we experience the grace and the beauty in our life. Light gives life. And so my question for you this morning, this is my question. Where do you need some life at in your life? You have something in your life that feels sort of dry and dead and barren. And you're like, man, I could use some life in my life right now. The more we center our life around Jesus, the light of the world, the more life we experience. Light gives life. Amen? Got that one? The second one is, light shines into darkness. Light shines into darkness. Jesus says to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Again, when we look all throughout scripture, we see Jesus being the light of the world, shining into darkness. We see him coming up, coming up against the religious leaders who are placing a heaviness upon normal everyday and people. And we just read in the text, he's like battling with them. He like says things and drops the mic and like they get, and there's nothing they can do. We see him casting out demons out of people. We see him stepping into the heartbreak into people's lives. It says that he preached in the synagogue and then he walked down and he said he's seen the crowd and had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Light shining into darkness. We see him calling people out of a life of sin and into the light. The story before this, if you want to read it, the story before this is when the Pharisees find a woman caught in adultery, caught in the act. And they drag her out in front of everybody. They drag her in front of Jesus to test him. And they say, "What the, the book of Moses said we should stone her. What do you say? And he starts drawing in the sand. And many people think that he's like drawing the sins of the Pharisees in the sand. That's one thought. And Jesus is drawing in the sand. He says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And all of them drop their stones and walk away. Light shining into darkness. But then Jesus looks at the woman caught in adultery and he says, 
neither I, they don't condemn you and neither do I. So now go and sin no more. Whoever follows him does not walk in darkness. The light of the world shines into the darkness. And this is true for you and for me. Many of us, we can experience this darkness in our life. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. The shadows creeping in on you. The heaviness of life in on you. Maybe it's a struggle with a a certain sin in your life. Maybe we find ourselves in a wilderness season and it just feels dry and bare. Maybe the shadows of depression and anxiety and loneliness are just heavy on us. Have you ever felt that before? The heaviness. Maybe you find yourself in a spiritual warfare and it's a battle. Darkness can be heavy on us. The shadows can be heavy on us and the light shines into the darkness. What this looks like in my own life, man, for a while there, when we lived in Durango, before we moved here, we had to wrestle with some big decisions in life. You ever, anybody ever have to wrestle with big decisions? Right, we had to wrestle with some big decisions in life. And I'm like, God, what do I do? What do I say? Where do I go? Like wrestling with big decisions. And for a season, it was just a heaviness on me. It was a wilderness season in my life that I'm I'm praying for direction and I felt like I was getting nothing. You ever did that? Prayed for direction and felt like you're not getting anything. God felt distant. It was heavy. And I remember I got to a point to where my friend DJ, who we were pastoring in Durango together with, he encouraged me to pray honest prayers with God. And this is the reason why he said that about praying honest prayers with God. Because most of my prayers would be like good Christian prayers. God, you are the heaven, you're above the heavens and the earth. And the earth is your footstool. And I come before you. I mean, that's great. I'm not, I'm not knocking it. That's great. But he said, man, how about you pray some like honest prayers about how you feel about God? How do you feel about God right now? In this season of my life. And I was like, honestly, I'm kind of angry. Honestly, I feel pretty lonely. He said, well, how about you pray that? And all of a sudden, my prayers turned to, God, where are you? You said you would never leave me nor forsake me, but... It didn't happen immediately that the light came. It's not like I said the right prayer and all of a sudden it was like, "Ah," right? That didn't happen. But it was just me honestly coming before God and really it shaped my prayer life. It changed my prayer life. I'm like, wow, I can really come before God. Like, really? And the wonderful thing is that the light did come. He did shine into my darkness. The light of the world shines into my darkness. And this is 
highlighted even in Scripture. Job, if you read the book of Job, you see he goes through some things in life. And he says, by his light, I walk through the darkness. This is real people. This is real talk here. That's why when I first came to know Jesus, I knew the Scriptures were real because they were saying real things. I'm like, that's real life. By his light, I'll walk through darkness. Psalm 18 says, for it, it, for it is for it, for it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. What area in your life do you feel like you have some darkness in right now? You need some light shown into. What area in your life feels like there's maybe some heaviness? Or the shadows in your life right now that you're like, Jesus, I need you. The light of the world shines into darkness. And last but not least, the third one. The light of the world makes us the light of the world. As we center our lives around Jesus, as we follow the light of the world, we get to be lights of the world. In Matthew 5, 14, Jesus says this to his followers. To his followers. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Can I like preach something to you this morning? We here at the Mustard Seed Church believe in being lights to the world. We believe in helping to point people towards Jesus. Not saying that we have it all together. We got all the answers. But we know where to go. We know where to get the food from. And we're helping to point people towards Jesus. That we would be lights of the world pointing to the light of the world. And so this means that your life has meaning and purpose by the way we speak, by the way we treat people, by the way we invite people into our lives, how we serve and love and sacrifice and how we talk about Jesus. We get to be lights of the world pointing to the light of the world. We want to know him and make him known. If you're wondering what the mission of the mustard seed is about, you're hearing it. We want to know him and we want to make him known. Lights of the world point into the light of the world. And this is the wonderful thing is that when we do this, when we live it out, when we're lights of the world, other people get to experience life that the light gives. Other people get to experience the light that shines into the darkness. And when that happens, lives are transformed and changed. Jesus meets them there. All because you being the light of the world are pointing people to the light of the world. How awesome is that? That gets me, can you tell that gets me fired up? My goodness. Our lives are not just sitting on the sideline. We don't just sit on the sideline and come to church on Sunday and watch it all go by us. We get to play. We get to get in the game. We get to make a difference. 
And this is why I believe that the church is the hope of the world. That's one of the things I loved about the mustard seed when we first came and I was talking about Kurt Lincoln. He was like, bro, the church is the hope of the world. I was like, man, we're brothers. You know, I don't even know you, but we're brothers. We have the same heart. The church is the hope of the world. Your life matters. We get to be lights of the world pointing to the light of the world.